Amen. You may be seated. What does it mean to celebrate each step? Well, it's what Kelly just prayed, that each step closer to Jesus is worth celebrating. The thing about following Jesus is it's more about progress and process. And when you think about it in those terms, every step becomes something to celebrate and it becomes something of an arrival. Do you get what I mean by this? You've arrived at a place that's closer to life and love and truth itself. You've arrived where God's grace has met you. You've arrived at more goodness and mercy. So every step closer to Jesus is a step worth celebrating. And it's an arrival to something that God has already done and moved and prepared for you. You're sitting here after a series of many, many steps. Decades, weeks, months. And the thing about steps, as we've seen with our kids in Psalm 23, as what they're studying this month, sometimes those steps take us through valleys, sometimes those steps take us through green pastures, but each step that's closer to Jesus is worth celebrating. And you guys have walked many, amen? I love this passage we read earlier because sometimes you're shaking in your boots and you take the next step closer to the sea, not sure of what's going to happen next. It's a doubting step, perhaps. Or perhaps a nervous or trepidatious step. Maybe you've taken one of those this week. But then, they begin to take steps on dry ground as the wall of water on either side stands at attention. Those are some amazing steps. Could you imagine what the Israelites are thinking as they're walking on dry ground as the waters have receded? We forget that that journey took all night, by the way. They didn't have bikes or segways (laughs) to get them through. One step at a time on dry ground all night through God's deliverance. But every step is worth celebrating and every step is an arrival. It's something new that God is up to. And so tonight we're going to hear... Two stories that only cover a small number of steps. And they're two stories from two people that you all know very well. And some of you may even know a good portion of the stories and steps that you're going to share. But it's worth hearing again. And it's worth reflecting on how each step is worth celebrating. And each step is an arrival. Bringing them closer and closer to whatever God has for them next. And so, these two people, Toby... Brooks and Jason Knight are also in a process taking steps to becoming elders in the neighborhood church. And at the neighborhood church, for many, many years, the five years that we've been around, and even before as we were replanting, and even before as we were called Providence Community Church, we've been an elder-led church. Show of hands if you heard this term. Many churches are congregationally led. This means that decisions... And directions are decided by votes from the congregation. Of course, we value the congregation's opinion. We're an open concept kitchen. Come, we need feedback. We need to hear it. And we don't move unless everybody's coming with us. But 
we see the way we feel led to govern this church is through a team of people who are paying attention to God and trying to respond appropriately to lead in whatever steps God has in front of us. So we're an elder-led church. But there's a subtle shift that's happening, and it's not just in, Lord willing, bringing these two on an elder team. We're, we're separating just a little bit some of our language. So what we're looking to do and endeavoring to do is to have an elder team or an elder board. And, Lord willing, this elder board will be comprised of Pastor Bud and Pastor Adam and then Toby and Jason. And the slight nuance is, moving forward, we may have elders that serve on our elder team, our elder board, leading and paying attention and praying and overseeing all those things that elders do in the New Testament. But we also might have some that are pastors working within the church. Maybe like a children's pastor, student pastor. People doing the work and the ministry within the church while an elder team is working and overseeing on the church. Do you see that subtle distinction? At times through this process and as we're re-examining our bylaws and all these things, I wonder if these steps are just steps that make my little OCD mind happy in delineating these things. But part of me thinks these steps are worth taking as we start to build up and take steps into the next season of our church. Kathy Kiesler is here and she served as a pastor and an elder. And we were almost in what you could consider a co-pastoring model. We were all sharing and working in and on, and we were meeting every week and talking almost every day and praying, and that was beautiful and it was wonderful. And now we see that in this season, maybe there's some value with these two that have full-time demanding jobs, but whose hearts are still with this church and passionate about this church. They can still pray and be present and meet and do all these things, but we're forming an elder team to also help us with all the big picture things that Adam and Bud just frankly need some help with. You with me on this? So enough about all that. With their steps and their process, they're nearly to the end of the road. And what we're up to tonight is for them to come and share a little bit each in turn about the steps that have brought them to this point to talk about what God has put on their heart in their call to this ministry and helping to lead and oversee our church. And so we're going to hear their stories, and I asked them if they could, while all of our stories are different, to tell us in such a way that gives us some encouragement and gives us something to reflect upon. So we're not just hearing their story, we're being encouraged by their story and the steps they've taken and we're celebrating. So, with all that being said, continue to ask questions through the remainder of their process. Continue to ask, what really do you mean, elder, pastor? And we can meet up and I can tell you, eh, it's not that big of a difference. But we can talk more about it. If you have questions about how our church is theologically egalitarian, where we see that these roles and leadership are related to giftedness and not necessarily because of gender, we believe that women can serve in the full capacity in every area and role in the church. If you have questions about that, let's talk. But for now, 
Let's celebrate the steps and welcome Toby to come and share her story. Thank you. All right. Um, so uh, I know some of you have heard my story just because I know a lot of you in this room and also because I kind of shared some of my story up on the stage when we were going through the deacon process a few years ago. Um, the central theme of my story is how God has used prayer in my life to draw me into a closer relationship with him. And so I want to just kind of tell you, in case you don't know, um, I grew up in a pretty conservative church, and I was like all in. I did everything. I thought the Bible, like I can look back now and say, the most important thing that a Christian can do is memorize Bible verses. That's what I got out of the first 12 years of my life. And I'm so thankful for that. Our children here, I think if we were to ask them, like, what's one thing you learn here? Um, I think they would say that God loves them dearly. And um, I didn't get that quite out of church. So the Bible and being a good person was very important to me. And as I get older, like the rest of us do, we meet people who didn't grow up like us. And, um, and you start having times of crisis where you go, man, there's no Bible verse for this. There's no Bible verse to tell you what college you're supposed to go to. What if I make the wrong choice? And these things were really crippling me because my whole life was built around doing the right thing, doing the thing God wanted me to do. And um, if God wrote us all a personal Bible, I would have been set. But that's obviously not our reality. Um, so, you know, I'm going to skip like way ahead in my story. Um, and remember, my theme here is how God has used prayer to shape my life and to bring me closer to him. And I'm using my notes to make sure I don't talk for an hour. Because those of you that know me know that that's quite possible. I promise you I won't do that. Um, Unless we all agree that that's what we want to do. Just kidding. Okay. <laughs> so when I think about, uh, you know, the Trinity, God was this judgmental father that loved me when I was good and was mad at me when I was bad. And um, Jesus was my savior, the one and done. He saved me. Thank you, Jesus, for that one thing you did. And then I'm not sure I could have even told you what the Holy Spirit's role was. And so, uh, you know, you go out in the world, you meet people that don't think like you, and um, kind of blew my mind, but I met a lot of really cool Christians, both in college and even after, that I just knew God's doing something in their life. Listen, they have something to teach you that you haven't learned yet, and so I'm thankful that there was room in my heart um, to be open-minded open enough to listen. Um, and I even learned a lot of things about people who weren't Christians, about loving and serving, um, more so than some other people that were calling themselves Christians. So I had a lot of questions and for the first time in my life, I was encouraged to bring those questions to God through prayer, no matter how difficult they were. And some of the questions I had for God were really difficult. Um, they were the kind of questions I would never have even voiced out loud to my friends or people I grew up with because I would have been afraid that they would have thought that I'm not a Christian anymore. 
So, um, but I did voice them to God. And I can't say that God ever audibly answered any of those questions. Um, but slowly, I noticed a lot of people coming into my life that maybe asked me questions or started th saying things like, yeah, I think the Holy Spirit led me to do things. And my whole world kind of just, my worldview just kind of changed in that God was so much bigger than I was giving him credit in being, and that Jesus wasn't this one and done savior, that there was a part of salvation that was always happening, and that the Holy Spirit is a real entity that's guiding me um, if I'm willing to listen and be led, or even just with discernment. And although God never told me what college I was supposed to go to, um, <laughs> I did end up, you know, making decisions and moving on in my life. But um, the worry there about what is God's will for my life, I've spoken with the youth, it was several years ago, but like that's a question, you know, teenagers have a lot and even younger kids, like what is God's will for my life? And um I'm going to get into it a little bit. This isn't a whole sermon on that, but um, that was like a major, major question for me. And I definitely sensed God calling me to something, but with my personal upbringing, I thought, I guess he's calling me to be a pastor's wife. Like, that's what I thought. Or a missionary overseas. And, but I just, I was like, that didn't, that didn't really feel right. I mean, that's great that people do that, but that just wasn't, I never felt that. And then the pastor's wife thing, that's great. I'm glad there are women that do that. Um, but it didn't even dawn on me. Like, really, it did not even dawn on me that God was maybe going to call me into ministry one day. Um, but beside the point, um, getting, in getting involved with this group of people, like Adam said, years ago, I again... Um, God really used the people of this church to love on me like a family, to tell me, yeah, ask the hard questions, pray, pray without ceasing. I remember the first time I heard that, I thought, what does that mean? Like, how do you literally pray without ceasing? You can't even talk without ceasing. And so um, I started thinking, well, I'm just going to try and maybe I'll mess up. So this is something that really formed me, and this is starting many years ago. Um, I kind of call them walkie-talkie prayers. I remember once that I was told, I think it was at VBS or youth camp or something, where, like, you better not fall asleep while you're doing that devotional at night. That's disrespectful to God. So I was, like, really hesitant to pray at night because if any of you know me, the sun goes down. I'm like, if it's a semi-dark room, I'm asleep. So I really had a hard time with that. I mean, I'm, I'm joking, but I'm not really joking. Um, and um, I remember being so afraid of falling asleep when I was praying. And then I think I voiced this out loud. And it was just like, why am I so afraid? Like, what better way to fall asleep than through praying? So I started just pray without ceasing at night and in the morning. Like when I'm in my bed and when I wake up, go to sleep, I'm just going to pray. And, you know, more recently, those have become thank you, would you prayers. Um, and so one of the things I want to encourage you, church, on is if you feel like your prayer life is just really stagnant, you're not really sure what to do, like, you're like, I'm not hearing from God. 
Um, one of the things I would just encourage you to do is just to find the time where you're already still and silent. Even if you might fall asleep, that's okay. God's still there when you're asleep. And um, voice a thank you, would you prayer. It really, really um, ends and sets my day, right? It doesn't magically make all the bad things go away, but it definitely has changed my life and changed my heart and made this relationship I have with Jesus much more intimate in a way that reading the Bible wasn't going to do. Reading the Bible is great. I love the Bible. I'm going to read out of the Bible here in just a second. But, um, and then there's other kinds of prayers that I kind of developed into more where we think about extended personal communions. So we started doing those several years ago, and the thought of spending four hours in silence was intimidating. So if you've never done that and that sounds intimidating to you, try 10 minutes or an hour. Um, you know, to this day, I'll say I heard from God, but I've never heard an audible voice from God. And I'm not saying that that can't happen, but that's never happened to me. But I have definitely felt God's presence. I have experienced things that can only be described as mysterious workings of the Holy Spirit during these times um, that have guided me to decisions that were being made. Um, and that doesn't happen every single time, but it has happened. So if you have that ache in your heart where you want to be closer to God, um, these are the things that have happened. This is part of my story that I wanted to share with y'all tonight. Um, I think prayer is kind of like taking medicine. Some medicine, you go to bed, you wake up in the morning, and you feel 10 times better. Some medicine, you've got to take that medicine for days, weeks, months. And you do not notice it from day to day, it changing you. But when you look back from last week or from last month, you notice a change. So again, reflecting on the past. And um, I'm not going to get into examine. Um, but if any of you are looking for a more... Um, I know Adam has talked about this before, about the prayer of examine, which is something you would more do at the end of the day to reflect and look forward. That is something that I do. Amy actually, I think, bought me a card. Uh, I didn't even talk to her about this. I'm looking for her to be like, yes or no. Yeah, okay. That's what I thought. And I've had it a long time, and I just put it right up next to my bed. And um, I didn't really use it at first when she gave it to me. Um, I use it more now, but it's a nice guide um, when I'm not really sure what to do. I know Adam has talked about pray as you go as well. Um, I would love to sit down with any of you um, and pray for you and pray with you because um, prayer has really shaped my life. Um, when I think about God now, I don't think of him as a judgmental father just waiting for me to do something wrong. I think of him as this like cuddly almost like Papa Bear, who has a lot of power, but he uses it to love me. He could use it for anything, and he uses it to make sure I know that I'm his. And church, I pray that you feel that way too. Like, that's something I pray about all the time for the people of this church, um, that you would know how much God loves you. Um, and that, I think, has happened because I have spent so much time 
in prayer. I think sometimes it does happen more quickly. Maybe I'm just thick-headed. Um, so one other thing that I wanted to mention, because this kind of sounds like, hey, I started here and I went here. That's not exactly my story. Um, when I preached on, when I came up here and gave a message on the woman at the well, I did mention that I went through a depression. And uh, I don't think I mentioned this then, but that depression happened right after I was, we didn't call them neighborhood groups, but that, um, I was a group leader. Um, and I was the first female group leader. And then like, boom, 10 things came down in my life. And it was the hardest time of my life. Um, and I thought, I have to be strong. Like, I'm the first woman ever in this position. I can't appear weak. And I'm so glad that God has given me friends. And even at that time, pastors and other leaders in this church that saw what was happening to me, and they both recommended help with therapy and medicine when that was needed, but also just to really lean into God. It was my most vulnerable time. Um, and I know, I don't, I know that God doesn't make us go through hard times. It's just a part of life. And I've had other hard times since, but this one really stands out to me. When I say I was vulnerable, I felt like my whole life was out there and every little thing that happened to me was like, you know, scratching on a sunburn. That's how I felt. But it's also when I look back a time when I felt the closest to God because, or when I grew the closest to God in that time period, um, because I was just so vulnerable, I was, I was praying const without ceasing all the time, pretty much every day. And so as weird as it sounds, I'm not happy those things happen to me, but I do look back and I go, I'm so glad, I'm so blessed that God brought me in and um, accepted me. And I was not perfect. And I screamed at him a lot. And I was angry. And he just took me in and loved me. Um, and that was such a, that's really, that really changed my whole life. Um, and so when other things are going wrong, I'm not going to say that I go, I'm so glad this is happening to me. This is going to give me a chance to grow closer to God. However, I think over time, one thing God has done in my heart is direct me to go, wow, this is hard. I can't do this on my own. Whereas before I would have just been like, I can't do this. I now say I can't do this on my own because I can't. Um, and... Um, I'm thankful that I know. And so that's the message that I want to share with y'all. Um, I pray for pretty much, yeah, I mean, definitely everybody in this room, I pray for you by name because um, I know all of you. And um, I really pray that you would all be able to have the richest, fullest relationship with God that you can have at the time that he's calling, however he is calling, in whichever method. So all the things I'm saying, they might not be for you. Um, but I pray that God will guide you to do the things for you um, that bring you in closer to relationship with him. Um, I do want to read a verse out of 1 Thessalonians. And I am not one to pick a verse out 
and just say, here's a verse, it solves all your problems. And I really want to encourage you to read this. And as someone out there, I know that most people don't do this. Um, but I really want to encourage you guys to read the very end of 1 Thessalonians, like the whole chapter called final, it's, well, it's even like the second half of the final chapter, so it's not very long. And I'm going to read this verse, and you have heard this verse. It has probably been on like cute little cards at Mardell, if you're into that kind of thing and all that. Um, it says, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So um, I know a lot of people have a verse that they stick with in their life. I'm not sure this is mine, but this is one that I go back to continually because these are the things that are constantly on my heart that have um, rejoicing, giving thanks, praying continually. Um, he's not calling us to be perfect. Um, and when I think about God's will and what college should I go to, if you're, especially younger people, but even older people, adults, if you're really struggling with, what do I do? What's my next step? I have no idea what my life is going to look like in the season or the next season. I encourage you to rejoice, give thanks, pray continually, pray continually. Um, the next little verse on that um, is not one that normally makes it on the cute card with the sunflowers, but it says, don't quench the spirit. So church, I would encourage you to not quench the spirit. Um, I know most of us did not grow up in a charismatic church, so this may feel um, weird for us sometimes, but don't quench the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit can move, is moving, and um, I'm really excited about the things God is doing in this church and our community and in the different ministries that we have. Thank you. Jason, you're going to come up here. I love, I love listening to Toby's story. It's great. I still also don't know what college I'm going to go to. but um, So when I think of my story, I don't think of like a particular moment. Uh, I think of several moments kind of along the way. And uh, so I thought back as long as I can to a much, much smaller, very, very cute Jason. And uh, honestly, like as far back as I can remember, I've always had a sense of God's presence and God's love. And I think that a lot of that had to do with some strong women I had in my life that reassured that in me. And, uh, you know, I think about my great-grandmother, my grandmother, who are both nursery workers in the church, and one of our teachers in kids' church, and uh, so child care workers. Thank y'all. Like, seriously. Um, but... I had this sense that God loved me, that God was with me, and there was a year that I was probably about Emma's age when I went to a kid's camp, and there I started to kind of wake up to this idea that, oh, you can, you can be like on God's side or you could not be on God's side kind of deal, and it, like 
to me, I'm like, that's weird. Why would anybody want to not be on God's side? I want to be on God's side. So I'm like, hey, let's let's pray about that. I want to be on God's side. So, um, you know, I did that, and then things kind of just went on as normal. And a couple of years later, yeah, I start to notice that, okay, I'm on God's side, but I don't really do anything. Not a lot in my life has changed. And, you know, I get a little bit older, and I go to another camp where actually my brother-in-law's dad was preaching at. And I'm feeling really convicted that I haven't done much so far in my long life of probably 11 years now. And, uh, and you know, he, he just tells all of us that, you know, some of you need to believe in Jesus. You don't believe, you need to believe. You need to give your life to Jesus. Some of you need to start living for Jesus. And some of you even need to start working for Jesus. And that's when it kind of like pulled me and I really felt convicted. And I said, yeah, that's what I want to do something for Jesus. I want to work for Jesus. And uh, I was so excited. Afterwards, I had to find a pay phone. Kids, look it up, wiki, whatever. Um, I remember I had to call my dad and tell him. And I remember my quarter wasn't enough because apparently they just raised it to 35 cents and I had to bum a dime off of someone. And then uh, called my dad and told him. And then, uh, you know, a couple of years go by and you know, still I'm not doing a whole lot. I have these big moments, but not much in between. You know, I go to church. I try to be a good kid. Wasn't always a good kid. It's fine. Um, but I start to feel like there's something like I'm not giving over. You know, I say that I'm with God, God's with me. I say that, Jesus, I want you to be Lord. I say, that, God, I want to do something for you. But then the things I do, really, they didn't ever go too far beyond what was convenient for me. They didn't go too far beyond the things that, you know, people just asked me to do or the things that were easy to do. And, uh, and I start, you know, living that teen life where it's like you got your church life and you got your not church life. You could be a church kid and then a not church kid for a while. And, uh, and I knew I was doing that. And I knew I was reserving portions of my life where I wasn't just handing it to Jesus. And uh, it wasn't until after high school, I find myself on a trip with our church group in, uh, in Mexico. We were in a town called Piedras Negras, and we were at this hotel after a, a day of hard work. And uh, a good friend and uh, a deacon from our church, Dale, Dale Arrington, who is Aaron Stone's uncle, got up and told his story. We're in this courtyard at the hotel, and he got up and told us about how he was a youth pastor, and he got really convicted that he hadn't turned everything over to Jesus. He was reserving some for himself. 
and uh, how his life changed after that experience. And uh, right then I just knew, like, the time had come. Like, I had been holding on to this, like, consciously holding on to it. And I knew that it was time to release it and let go. And uh, afterwards, everybody kind of went to their rooms, but I stayed in the courtyard. And a friend of mine, David, walked up. And I couldn't even say a word. I was just silent. I couldn't speak. And he knew exactly what I was thinking. And he prayed over me. And uh, in, in, in that prayer, I just released and gave everything I'd been holding on to to Jesus. And it was then that I, like, you can say I was saved when I was little, I was saved then, whatever. It's a journey. You know, you saw a change in my life. And Rebecca can attest to this. The difference in my heart before that and after that was radically different. And uh, so I think that when I think of my story, my journey, if I could tell you something to take from it, it would be everybody's journey is different. Everybody's story is different. It doesn't matter if you're five or 105. It doesn't matter if you are visiting or are a pastor in the church. If there's a part of you that you're reserving from Jesus, like let go of it. You don't have to feel bad. You don't have to feel guilty. You don't have to feel ashamed. Like if you think, oh, well, people think of me, what we'll think is it's amazing and we love you. So whatever that is that you're reserving on, just let go of it and let God just radically change you, right? And uh, yeah, I think, uh, you know, I feel bad because I didn't bring a verse like Toby. But when I think of my story, I think of, uh, I think of Thomas's story and how Jesus just invited him along and he just started walking and started learning and started changing. And it wasn't radical. It, was, it wasn't even like, you know, when he saw Jesus after his death, right? It wasn't even then. It was, he was still changing, changing. He was always changing. And so I really relate to that. But that's my story. And Adam's going to come and pray. Thanks, man. I'm going to invite you two to come and stand down here. And as they're coming, what is it that you sense you need to let go fully into your life and journey with Jesus? What is it that you're holding back that you need to release so that you can follow Jesus without reservation? That's what I heard in Jason's story. How might you be open more to God through prayer and the power of the Holy Spirit? That's what I heard in Toby's story. These are the questions I hope that you are reflecting on and that you take with. And now, as they continue to take more steps in this process, would we be a people that can cover them in prayer and walk with them? And by God's grace, walk together as we follow Jesus together for God's kingdom in our neighborhood. Would we join in prayer, especially for Jason and Toby in this season, and then they will lead us in communion. Would you join me in prayer? Father, we bless you. We kneel before you in recognition of the work that you have done in Toby and Jason's life. 
We bless you and recognize the steps that you have walked with them. Steps from when they were so young and even now into today and every moment in between you were with them. You've never left them nor forsake them. And so we pray that you would continue to grow them up so that they may stand in the full stature of who they are in you. Never graduating from whose they are. And that is a beloved daughter and a beloved son of the Most High God. And so we ask your blessing upon them now. That the road ahead would be marked and paved with goodness. We pray this week for your presence and power over Jason. That you would surround him and sustain him. Especially this week. We pray, Lord, for Toby, that you would bless and keep her, surround and sustain her, give her strength, relief, and rest. We ask that your goodness and mercy would follow them and that they would dwell with you and within you, not just through this process, but beyond to every day until they take their last breath and see you face to face, that they may hear, well done, good and faithful servant. We pray all this in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and all God's people said, Amen.